Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delt and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and uh, welcome to the Ops of March, or as we like to call from the massive Cloudcast Studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina, sort of the uh, the beginning of the year for us in terms of we've done a lot of stuff, a lot of odds and ends shows, and some other things, and uh, but now we start to really get into a lot of a lot of shows, a lot of really interesting topics. Uh, Aaron, welcome, uh, welcome back, man. It's been a few weeks since we did a show. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, between the the snow here in, well, pretty much everywhere in the United States, I mean, even Dallas had snow last week, um, and everyone's, you know, it's finally, we got a swing here, in typical Raleigh fashion, it goes from, what, you know, 20 degrees to, I think it's going to be 70. Um, yeah, tomorrow. So. Yeah, so, you know, nice 50 degree swing in like three days. Um <laughs> Which which is odd, but uh, you know, which means, I guess... you'll, which means you'll be sick. So that's a given. Somebody yeah, in the family exactly. will be sick. And I, I head to Dallas tomorrow, so there I'm sure go. I'll be sick. Cool. So, <laughs> well, listen. Um, before we get into our our host, our guest. Um, so real quick, um, wanted to thank everybody for putting up with us for doing some of the bite-sized podcasts. It's something we're kind of trying a couple of little different topics. The feedback seems to be pretty good. Um, we'll mix them in from time to time. We're not going to do tons and tons of them. We'll mix them in from time to time. And if you have topics you like, uh, let us know. So it also allows us to do some quick ones when people are traveling and, and give you guys stuff every week. So um, hopefully those are okay. Um, anyways, so let's get out of the show. Um, well, real quick, Brian, I just wanted to say too, Everyone, we love feedback. You know, hit us up on the Twitter. Um, and it's the, at the CloudcastNet or show at thecloudcast.net. Um, yeah. Definitely want to hear some feedback on anytime we we kind of do some of these new things, like kind of like when we did the shift um, not too long ago in the kind of show format and topics. Um, got a lot of good feedback, and it really helps us kind of figure out future directions. So would lo- certainly love to hear from everybody. Yeah, and we're going to let Aaron do more of the audio editing, so you guys can uh, hopefully the suck audio will go away a little bit. So I apologize for that. Anyways, yes. uh, let's get to our guest. So uh, good to bring back uh, Alex Polvey, uh, CEO and co-founder of CoreOS. So uh, Alex, uh, thanks for listening to us babble for a few minutes, and welcome back to the show. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. So um, so we were, we were talking before the show a little bit, and uh, you guys have been in the news a lot lately. Um, it's... When I, so, Aaron and I first met you guys. Actually, we met Brandon. Um, you were probably there as well. We were in New Orleans for uh, uh, LinuxCon and um, one of the other events. It was a couple of years ago. It was like a week after you guys had gotten founded. Uh, we were talking to. We were doing a whole bunch of shows. We met Brandon, and I remember at the time we were thinking like, why in the world would anybody want to start another Linux OS? Like it just it didn't totally dawn on us. And it, it's a weird thing. Every time we talk to you guys, like I kind of. It connects the dots a little bit more for me. It's like, okay, it, it was Linux OS thing. Then it was like, all of a sudden it was, all right, they're doing an auto-updating, security sort of centric, secure centric, container centric. And it all started to kind of click a little bit. And then you guys kind of keep cranking out stuff. Can you can you give us a sense of, you know, like sometimes you guys do stuff that's very OS centric, core OS centric, it's system D and stuff. And then other times you're working on things like, flannel and etcd and and other stuff can can you give us a sense of kind of how you guys think about connecting the dots on all these different projects (laughs) sure sure so first off on the open source projects that we build we see them as white space so things that just don't exist 
uh, you know, today in, in some way. So all of these products, I think I could explain to you in a way that there's just nothing quite like it out there. And that's why we built it. If, if there was something out there, we probably just wouldn't have built it in the first place. Okay. okay. Um, and so that's, so that's the, on the open source side, we only build things that we think don't exist. But it's for this like particular way of running infrastructure. And I think the most general way to explain it, the industry doesn't actually have a term for it yet, but like like there's there's no DevOps for this style of infrastructure. Yeah. I I think the easiest way to put it though is is um, like Google's infrastructure, but for everybody that's not Google. <laughs> okay, so it's this way of using distributed systems, commodity hardware, you know, application focused deployment you know, instead of kind of server focused deployment um, and kind of all of these concepts rolled into a, a new way of running infrastructure and containers are part of it as well um, but all of these things you see us building are towards that and the reason we care about that I mean our motivations are in security but security is just one of the value props of, of running your infrastructure this way you also get better availability better performance better scalability kind of everything that comes you know, with, with this architecture of running infrastructure so each of those components that we've put out as open source are like you know gaps we see in in like infrastructure software that enable that style of running infrastructure which again I don't think anybody has actually coined a term for yet. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit it's a little bit like we've we've talked to um to the guys over at, at HashiCorp, we've talked to um, you know Mitchell and, and those guys, and they, they kind of give us a little bit of the same thing where they go, we have this philosophy, and and we're building things towards it, but but it may not all make sense to everybody until a few more things come along. I mean, is that right. a little bit of what you guys are, are dealing with, just because you're going so fast and and you've made a lot of news and headlines and stuff? Um, yeah, I mean, I think we've always had a pretty pretty good vision of where we're heading. If you if you go to just like chorus.com, you'll see us talking about like massive server deployments and these architectures that are like Google and Facebook and all this kind of stuff. And when we go and meet with Google and Facebook and talk about their architecture, it's exactly what we're building. We're just building the like general purpose, perfectly done version of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they they <laughs> built gotcha. stuff internally um, that they they kind of piece together and it's kind of okay because their infrastructure is a secondary product to their company. It's not their core product, where for us it is a core product. No pun intended. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because so so your backgrounds uh, for both you and Brandon, you, you both are ops people and obviously, like you were saying, very security-minded. So, so walk us through a little bit kind of what that means about kind of security. I, I feel like you guys think about security a little bit differently because you almost come at it from a very unique approach where it is almost like security equals stability, right? Right. So I guess our insight on security is that you're never going to be able to fix every single issue with some ultra secure system. So really the only ultimate fix is making it easy to service your platform when you have a problem. So like, but the typical thing and the reason people get hacked is they're running some server or some web app and it falls out of date and then that thing gets compromised and then people go inside your infrastructure and start rooting around and finding more vulnerabilities and just kind of keep working through your infrastructure that way, okay? Now the kind of ultimate fix to all of that is just always being able to run the most up-to-date piece of software. But the way server infrastructure works today is it's typically get it running and don't touch it. It's like so fragile that people are afraid to afraid to make any change, <laughs> much less like go and go and patch stuff all dynamically. So our our sort of root fix to security is let's make it let's let's build an architecture that people get gets people comfortable with change. Okay. And what 
what's what does that architecture look like? And a key component of it, for instance, is you need to be able to deploy an app and like test it out on only part of your infrastructure, not the whole thing. So if you do deploy something bad, it doesn't take the whole app down at once. Like that's kind of the true fix here. It's not not um, it's not saying don't change anything. It's about making changes kind of safe and not even safe from failure. It's okay to fail, but when you fail, you're only you know you're only failing for a part of your infrastructure, not the whole thing goes down all at once. And we, that's why there's that's why the distributed systems approach is so important. But distributed systems in and of themselves are an interesting thing for different reasons, like high availability and scalability and you know that that kind of stuff is also interesting from a um, for doing this kind of distributed way of running infrastructure. So they go hand in hand. I mean I think people want both. They want kind of this this application-centric distributed deployment model, which we call Google's infrastructure for everyone else, and because of that, we can go and secure the internet. Yeah, and that, and that was the that was the piece I don't think that, that totally dawned on me early on when you guys were you were talking about um, you know sort of you know originally it was sort of like managed Linux, and then it was you know remote updates, you know kind of the way, way that people are used to with their browser, and um, and it didn't click to me until it sort of was like. And everything we do is sort of container centric, and it was like, oh, okay. Now you have this these things that you can that you can absolutely replicate. You can do them in layers. They reboot and boot and can get built like in you know fractions of a second and so forth. So this idea that you may have things getting rebooted or getting you know updated, it's like okay, the rest of that framework now fits for what they're doing. That it wouldn't work if you were talking about large VMs or if you're talking about very stateful applications, it, it, it you know, you kind of have to put it in the right context for it to, to sort of make sense. Um, right. Right. Now talk a little bit. Um, so your guys model again is a little bit unique. Um, not, not for everything, but, but when people tend to think about sort of, you know, apps in a data center where, um, I mean, you still have people that, you know, haven't updated an OS for, for years. You, you've got people talking about, hey, Windows Server 2003 is going to go end of life, so you should pay attention and, you know, 15-year-old things. Like, what's a what's a typical customer for you? What's their operational model where they're managing apps, they're managing deployments, but but sort of this third party, if you will, is is giving them updates on when to, to update the, the underlying OS or some of the container management stuff. Like, how does that kind of work in, in real life? Right. So first, our ideal customer are the ones that don't care about Linux. Okay. okay. And that's why they're choosing us, because they want us to take care of it for them. You know, they don't want to have to hire somebody to go and, like, deliver the patches when, when there's a vulnerability. They just kind of want it to happen passively. Okay. So that's, 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 like, the ideal. If people care about their kernel and care about kind of this the low levels of an operating system, they probably shouldn't kind of outsource it to us, yeah, <laughs> if, yeah. if you will. And and I guess our bet is that people shouldn't care about it, and we can more efficiently centrally manage it than any individual kind of ops ops team could, you know. So, yeah. um, so I guess folks that don't care about it. Now, there's also a set of companies that are building kind of platforms on top of CoreOS itself because they want to provide value kind of up the stack, but they don't want to have to worry about the bits that we're building for them. Um, so, you know, these are companies building products in and of themselves, and, and there's value to those guys as well. Um, but I think, um, yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah. So, I mean, is that, is that so your, your, your customer base is a, it's a very application-centric type of customer, or is, I mean, are you, are you still 
do they still sort of have separate ops teams? They just kind of go that level of stuff we don't want to care about. It just makes our life easier or. Yeah. Uh, look, every, every ops team is like overwhelmed. There's a shortage of them and everybody's infrastructure is a total mess. So like people just have more <laughs> important things to do than deliver their security updates. Um, you know, but yet it's something that no team can really cut corners on as well. And keep in mind what I'm talking about is just the OS itself. You know, yep. this is CoreOS. We also have Rocket and etcd, which are other open source components which people use with or without CoreOS, the Linux OS. Right. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, these are ops teams that are trying to build their next generation infrastructure. They've seen the light of what a new, what, of what like. You know, we, we got our, our messages from Google, you know, yeah. and told us what it's supposed to look like. And everybody's going and trying to replicate that in a in a, you know, in a way. And it's not because it's just Google. It's because, um, you know, that architecture solves a lot of problems for them. So the companies that we're working with are trying to use containers and distributed systems and, you know, trying to trying to make all that work. And they're using our different open source components in, in our commercial software to help them get there. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I mean, again, it's it becomes sort of um, you know business specific and application specific, and it makes a lot of sense for for that set of problem space. Right. Right. Um, so I, I want to talk a little bit. So you know, obviously, you guys are sort of known. Uh, you know, you, you do the OS piece, you do the container piece, um, but there's a ton of products that, and this is what is sort of unique about a lot of these a lot of newer companies is. Um, there's a ton of folks who use this technology that you guys built called etcd um, mm-hmm. or that you know kind of if you said hey we have a company of you know the size of you guys and to have a bunch of products that are or technologies that are you know kind of do these different things would be like wow that's pretty unique like talk about wh- where etcd kind of came from was it just a, a natural problem that you guys had to solve or and, and, and how did it get itself into so many other places? I mean, it's in Cloud Foundry. It's in a bunch of other stuff. Um, like, how, how did that sort of evolve? So, again, in our quest to run the world's infrastructure so we can secure the Internet, one of the things we recognized was, was containers and distributed systems. And sort of looking at the distributed system side of things, we were like, you know, if you talk to any ops guy and ask, would you like to run your infrastructure such that I can kill any individual instance at any time and your applications keep running, they would, of course, say yes. But then you ask them, why don't you do that today? And it's because it's too hard, you know. Yeah. And so we were like, what, what is the root issue behind distributed systems being hard and the hardest possible part of building a distributed system, and I'd argue infrastructure overall as well, is doing a round of distributed consensus, <laughs> implementing a consensus algorithm. And a consensus algorithm is something like um, Paxos is the famous one, um, but uh, Raft is the kind of newer one that we've implemented inside of etcd. And, and that particular problem of determining con- consensus amongst a group of distributed computers is like very difficult. And so we were like, let's just make it easy. Let's see if we can make it easy. The only other product out there that's kind of equivalent to etcd is, is Zookeeper. Mm-hmm. And Zookeeper works pretty well. Um, it's part of the Hadoop suite of software. It works pretty well, but it's built pretty specifically for the Java community and to be kind of pretty tightly coupled to the uh, kind of Hadoop suite overall. And while companies do like um, do break it out and use it in other products than Hadoop, it's just of the complexity that you have like a Zookeeper team or something that to run it. You know, and if right. you need a team to operate something, it's like that's far too complex in our book. So we. We were like, let's try to build 
essentially the DevOps version of Zookeeper. What is something that you know is, speaks easy protocols, is relatively easy to implement a client, but solves that hard distributed computing problem for you? Um, and I think we definitely like struck a chord with it. We we shipped our first release of etcd around the same time we shipped our first release of CoreOS. Um, you know, and and uh, and it's yeah, like you said, it's been picked up by it's. It's you know in Google's Kubernetes project. It's in you know, Mesos has plugins for it now. Docker itself has plugins for it. Um, you know, Cloud Foundry, the 500 other projects on GitHub. So I think we definitely nailed that one. That people want distributed systems and they want it to be easier. Um, and again, this is a, a another example of just white space. Like we needed a easy to use distributed consensus algorithm, <laughs> yeah, and right, so right. so we we implemented it. And and yes, there was need for it. And does, Interesting. And, does, and does everything yeah. sort of become that? So it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this question because I'm I'm kind of trying to connect a few things. But like, you guys use it as uh, the basis for things like Flannel, your networking thing. You use it for uh, key value stores. You use it for database sort of uh, flags and updates. I mean, do, does everything then sort of ultimately become this distributed? Um, problem i mean is it like because it's weird it's weird to think like a lot of the same core technology would be used for networking and database updates and replication right. and services i mean is do you kind of boil it down to that and you go well why can't i use it for all these different things no i mean so it's really about like shared configuration whenever you have a a, a group of servers like more than one servers you innately need to start share configuration you need to say you know load balancers where are my what app servers, app servers, where are my databases, app servers, where are my memcached here, you know, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, so you have to have like this centralized place that knows like the truth at any given moment. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and whenever you have this like single point that is telling you the truth, you know, you in, in, implement a single point of failure now in your infrastructure. And so what we do with etcd is we take that single point of failure and then distribute it. So, Anywhere that your infrastructure needs a single point of truth amongst all of the all the different machines running, they can talk to etcd, which is in and of itself a distributed service. <laughs> okay? Gotcha, gotcha. And so that's why you see it being baked into kind of all these different products because it, all these different products require like a source of truth in order to do what they do. So like Flannel needs to know like what IPs have been allocated to other servers because we need to like allocate something that hasn't already been allocated. And so how do you do that? Well, you have a central place that tells you a big list of all the things that have been allocated. Okay, now I'm using a central place. So in order to keep, get high availability of a central place, the central thing has to be distributed in and of itself. You know? And right. anything that requires, like again, distributed consensus, just the literal meaning of that term, um, any, anything that requires that um, could be backed by etcd. Um, and it's easy enough to implement. It just speaks to the little JSON API. Um, that that it is being embedded in lots of things. We've seen load balancers. We've seen uh, you know our networking technology. Even even something that like manages reboots on a big set of servers. But what happens is it's a thing called locksmith in CoreOS, which will on the reboot is going down. It'll acquire a lock on etcd before it goes down, locking every other server in the environment out of being able to do a reboot. And then when it comes back up it releases the reboot, which has this very elegant property that if that machine doesn't come back up, the lock is never freed and the machines don't reboot onto the new version anymore. <laughs> you know? Gotcha. And yeah. and so like those those things we are all powered because you want kind of distributed agreement amongst a group of servers, um, which is a single point of truth, but now you want your single point to like fan out 
to be a something that you can't kill either by just taking down one machine. <laughs> you right. Know? Right. So, it's, Aaron, it's it's interesting to me. You know, so the, kind of the way he explained all that stuff, and you think about it, and you go, there are billion dollar you know, companies like Cisco and VMware and these guys fighting about stuff they, they call SDN, and yet the problem that Alex just talked about solving with etcd is basically the exact same problem. Right. It's just, it's just <laughs> so not considered in, to be in the networking domain, quote-unquote. In, in, in SDN, they have um, every single one of the SDN technologies out there has a, like, central registry that all right. the, like, routers and everything coordinate with, and most of them are not distributed either. Like, they're actually in our opinion, just not implemented correctly. Like, you have all of your networking gear getting agreement through a single point of failure. Well, that seems like a pretty bad architecture, you know? <laughs> right. And and only the really high-end ones in the enterprise pro, edi- pro editions of whatever are, like, the, the ones that have any sort of HA capabilities. And so even Flannel, again, it feels like we're just reinventing all this stuff, but we were like, no, we just want this to be done right and to be simple, you know? And so Flannel itself is very, very simple. All it does is that you, on one side, uses etcd to negotiate an IP allocation to a server, okay? So it says, I get this slash 24, which is, you know, subnet uh, for this particular server. And then, the, then Flannel toggles the kernel to, like, set up those IPs. You know, Flannel itself is like not in the data path or anything. So we're using in kernel stuff and then distributed consensus to like negotiate an SDN. And it's kind of, it's the bare minimum, but it's all you need too. And so it's like, I don't know, I just think simplification is how all this stuff will go. And, and, uh, and I I think etcd helps, helps do that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a trend we, we've seen now. And I think it's great is, is, Less com less complexity in everything. You know, it seems like for years and years we've been following this industry, and on the operation side of the house, um, certainly everything has been getting increasingly more complex. And it's always for the well, because then we could do this feature or this feature, or we could automate this or do that. And and it seems like we're we're starting to the pendulum swinging back the other way, which I I, I think is great. Um, so let me ask you this, Alex, like a, kind of a future looking one for a second. Um. So you mentioned we've got Mesos, we've got Kubernetes, um, and we can schedule resources with that. But but they work, you know, with various container level things. Are we going to look at things like Docker or Rocket the same way in a year? I mean, everything is evolving so fast. Um, will there still be the, these concepts a year from now? And, and where do you think it's going to evolve towards going forward? Sure. So, I mean, one of the motivations for Rocket is that we felt Docker was moving into something that it kind of is no longer. So Docker, we feel, is moving towards being more of a platform in and of itself, more like a Mesos or Kubernetes. Um, And Rocket, the whole point of Rocket is to not do that. So the point of Rocket is to kind of fulfill the use case that Docker has today, which is this download and run a container and be really good at that, but not like have an opinion on on how the network should work or how how the cluster management should work or anything. Where I think Docker's going down a path of sort of being opinionated about all those things and it being its own, like, platform in it of itself. Um, and so that's where I think it's all going. I think Kubernetes, to me, Kubernetes um, is really interesting. I think, I think that because of, like, how it's coming out of Google, the people that are building it, and kind of where the commercial interest lies. I think I think Kubernetes has a shot at being like a very de facto kind of cluster management system uh, as well. Like I think that it'll be something that 
that is just kind of like Linux, like where people use it in a bunch of different ways and it's just like out there or Apache 2 web server. You know, there's these types of open source software which are ubiquitously used, but there's no like kind of company that is that owns it and monetizes it, which is like distinctly different than Docker or Mesos. Um, and so I think, yeah, I don't know. Kubernetes is really interesting. Um, this whole, the thing that I'm sure pretty sure is going to happen. I don't want to say sure, sure, because you never know, but I'm pretty sure that given, you know, a year or two, people will run their infrastructure in this new way, this like distributed application focused way of running, running infrastructure. And it's happening and people have theorized it for a while, but I think the tools are getting easy enough and practical enough to use that it's actually going to happen. And that's kind of what all the excitement about this change, you know, is. Uh, you know, is because there's an actual meaningful change of how people run infrastructure happening right now. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, so I, I think as we were sort of jotting down notes about, about this, you know, the, the thought was, you know, does, you know, a, a, a Kubernetes or Mesos or, or something like that sort of go, hey, I'll just take on a bunch of functions that, you know, maybe I, you know, don't need to be done down at lower levels anymore. I, I get the sense that you guys are very much like, there's no point in sort of overloading a tool or overloading a function. It's it's kind of, you guys kind of believe in the Unix philosophy. It's like build a very good, elegant tool for one thing. If you need it to do something else, just build a, a separate tool or separate function. You, is that still kind of the, the mindset you're thinking architecturally, or is that just out of necessity what happens? Or um, yeah. I mean, could you could you see etcd going? Well, gosh, I could do all the same things that Kubernetes does. Why don't we just sort of you know put it in there? Or, or is that not the right way to think about it? Definitely not. I mean, I think you will never see etcd or Rocket evolve into a cluster management system. They're meant to be integrated with cluster management systems. I mean, on the open source side, we definitely build components that are freely reusable by a bunch of different companies in different ways, um, and and that's what we're building. Very Unix philosophy. Um, you know, inspired, and and that is our intentions. Um, and on the open source side, too, our intentions are to keep them all open source. I mean, we don't we don't plan to have like a rocket enterprise or something. You know, it's it's just open source components, and that's it. Now, on the commercial side, we do intend to sort of curate a full solution using the best parts of open source. And some of those best parts don't have to be software we built ourselves. Like we didn't build the Linux kernel, we didn't build System D, but we still use them in our products, right? Sure. Um, and so I do think you will see us, you know, packaging very opinionated solutions, you know, as we do somewhat today and more going forward. Um, but um, but our open source stuff is definitely, I think, what you see is is what you get in that, you know, etcd is a standalone thing that works well for people, and we want that to be the you know, the Linux kernel of distributed systems, and that is a great outcome for it. We want to see a healthy community contributions, no no direct monetization on it uh, at all. And and then instead, what we, we make money on is, is helping companies sort of piece all this stuff together that, that want help with it. But if, if a company wants to just piece it all together themselves, they're free to do that. Cool. That's very great. Cool. Um, hey, one last one last thing, real quick, because you, you're talking about sort of distributed systems and and so forth. Like, how fast are you seeing, uh, you know, like application people going? Oh, wow! There's a bunch of new ways the underlying stuff can help me. Or do they kind of like you said they don't care about a lot of this underlying stuff and they're pushing on I don't know uh, application models and you guys are going oh we need to kind of do some things around that space because we're not caught up to the application team like do you, do you get a sense of 
as this stuff's changing to more distributed models, like who's pushing and pulling faster, whether it's the, the sort of infrastructure and ops guys or the apps teams or? I think it's a nice combination. I mean, for the ops guys, they kind of have this this way of, of running infrastructure that's much easier for them to maintain. So like if everything's kind of self-healing, self-updating, you know, they can work on more important problems than than like responding to pages at, at 3 a.m., right? And yeah. And but on the ops side or on the dev side, it's like I just have to worry about deploying my applications. I don't have to think about which version of RHEL is running on the server versus what's on my desktop. You know, like it's it's much more application focused. If you can just get the application deployed, you're good and kind of don't worry about the underlying infrastructure. Kind of like how, a, you know, things like Heroku or or App Engine work in a way you don't think about the Linux kernel version that's on on Heroku, right? It just doesn't matter anymore if you're application-minded. And that's all the developers really care about is their application at the end of the day. And that, that has the supporting services um, that that's, that are needed. Yeah, no, that makes that makes sense. I, I, I kind of, I don't know, I, I, without making up new terms, like I, I kind of look at the stuff you guys are doing as being kind of core to sort of a, sort of an unstructured paths, whereas the Herokus and the Cloud Foundries are sort of this structured thing for people who want you know, those elements sort of put together and then you guys are sort of the more open, flexible thing that, that could become used for infrastructure, could be used for PaaS, could be used for any app development whatsoever. Right. Um, well, cool. Um, well, listen, uh, we want to be respectful of your time. You've got, uh, you've got a business to run and it's, and it's uh, sort of late on the, on the West Coast. Um, where can people find you? I mean, where's the, where are they going to be the, either the big events, the meetups that you guys are actively at, or what's the best way for folks to kind of engage with you and your communities and stuff? Sure. So we're on a pretty good speaking tour right now. Um, you know, this week we're at Rackspace's Solve event. Um, and then, you know, there's a bunch more coming. CoreOS.com slash community, I think, is the page where um, you can find kind of upcoming meetups and speaking opportunities and all of that stuff. Um, and then our blog, we keep pretty active, too, for folks that want to find out ways to get involved or to start contributing. Um, so that's just at corvus.com slash blog. Very cool. Very cool. So no uh, no corvus.com uh, coming up anytime soon? Nothing announced. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Well, cool. Uh, Alex, uh, uh, Aaron, why don't we uh, sort of wrap it up and take it home? Yeah, absolutely. If you like the show, please tell a friend and leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at the CloudcastNet or on the web at thecloudcast.net where you can find links to everything CloudCast. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks.